This week's episode includes conversation about spiritual abuse. If you are a survivor of spiritual abuse, please listen with caution. A transcript is available at mandykpart.com if you would rather skim the information before listening. Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 31, titled Less Harming, More Helping. So this week, I am tackling a topic I discuss frequently in interviews, and that is the fact the church is not showing up the way it should be in the middle of grief events. Now, I know I just put a should all over the church, but here's the thing. I was raised in Lutheran churches, visited a few Catholic churches, and joined evangelical Christianity as a college student. After graduation, I found the narrative of mysticism and curiosity to be the firm foundation of my faith. It embraces the mystery and unknowable nature of God, even as we learn about our faith practices. So I've been around for a long time, but even as I have grown in my understanding of faithfulness, I've experienced ongoing grief throughout my entire life, and the church hasn't done much to help me. In fact, the majority of sermons about grief give us a phenomenal opportunity to play grief bingo in a service, whether it's spiritual bypassing, platitudes, spiritual abuse, or flat-out condemnation of our beliefs. The global church struggles to create safe spaces for grievers. And when I say safe, I mean physical, emotional, spiritual, and psychological safety. So it's time to try something new. What once seemed effective is now being revealed as harmful. So hopefully this week we can gain a little bit of insight into what we often see around grief in churches that is harmful and find a way to equip both ourselves and the local and global church to become the place of restoration and connection Jesus promised it would be. We're going to start by defining spiritual bypassing, platitudes, and spiritual abuse in the context of grief. This will be a very brief overview so that we can just be on the same page as we talk about and think about how the church needs to shift in regards to grief. So spiritual bypassing is the practice of dismissing one's or another's experiences or pain with scriptural references. We practice it on our own behalf and often attempt to convince others that it's a spiritually mature approach. Spiritual bypassing is a way that is safe to hide behind our faith and avoid the painful truth of our reality. Spiritual bypassing assigns judgment to our emotions, thoughts, feelings, and experiences. It can dismiss our anger by labeling anger as bad and teach us to internalize shame as a reminder to help us keep on track with our anger, because again, those big emotions are bad. Platitudes work in tandem with spiritual bypassing, often being the very words used to minimize the impact of our pain in our lives. We're all familiar with the vaguely religious references used on sympathy cards, right? God needed an angel. They're in a better place, or they're no longer in pain, so rejoice. There are many, many platitudes already coming to mind for you right now, too. Probably the ones that came to mind are the ones that caused the most confusion. Platitudes make us wonder if the pain is so easy for everyone else to navigate and dismiss, then what is wrong with me? What's wrong with my faith? Why do I experience such turmoil and everyone else seems to know how to move on? When reality, in reality, we're all just kind of lying, (laughs) hiding behind it. (sighs) 
Both of these behaviors, spiritual bypassing and platitudes, are prevalent in the global church, and they lead us very cleanly down the path towards spiritual abuse. In the context of grief, spiritual abuse occurs when those in leadership use spiritual bypassing and platitudes as a method of controlling and manipulating the grievers into service, behavior modification, or to strengthen their dependence on the church or its mission and community. Grievers are skilled at wearing that mask and bypassing their pain for those who they're not willing to share with. But in the context of their faith practice, they also have to protect themselves, lest their role in the community is compromised. And that's a secondary grief, losing your community on top of everything else. If we appear emotionally unstable or untrustworthy, our faith will be challenged. That phrase, oh ye of little faith, makes me cringe. Who are we to measure the faith of another human, regardless of what they've told us or what they're going through? Once our mask is securely in place, whether by choice or necessity to protect ourselves, the platitudes are easy to internalize. We encounter others in church who assume we're, quote, just doing fine since we're attending and serving regularly. But that doesn't mean anyone knows what to say, and too often, this allows us to offer platitudes. When we see someone in pain or assume that another person is trying to heal, we want to help, and yet we lack the knowledge or skills to do so. Instead, we recognize that we are uncomfortable with their loss. This isn't usually a conscious act, but regardless, our brains start spewing everything we can and all the things we believe to alleviate the discomfort that we feel. Where we think we are there being helpful for another, so they can feel better, we're actually helping ourselves. We just don't see it since the grievers typically don't push back. They nod and smile and keep their mask tightly in place. At this point, spiritual abuse is inevitable. In the context of grief, it looks like manipulating grievers into breaking communicated boundaries, insinuating that they are unfaithful, incapable, or bringing their own grief into life through sin behaviors or attitudes. Spiritual abuse around grief can make you feel responsible for your own pain, loss, and suffering. Grievers internalize those narratives that they are insecure and lacking faith and therefore rely upon these leaders for healing guidance. Beyond the obvious, the problem here is positioning the church, our faith, and our service in the community as the only solution for grief. How can we heal if we are relying upon a shifting storyline that denies secondary losses, emotional upheaval, or a need for support outside of praying more. First, I believe the global church needs to start asking questions about grief from grief professionals. We in the church are so used to going first to our religious texts that we fail to remember or maybe even believe that wisdom exists outside the four walls. Gaining insight about the shifting nature of loss might just bring the church some humility around always having a prescription. In grief work, we know there is literally no assignment or methodology that will work for more than a single person. Pieces of each will help, but we're all different. We need different things. Our losses cannot be compared even for a moment. The more we learn about grief, the more we realize we move through it by knowing ourselves, not by condemning our hearts for feeling, our thoughts for allowing disruption, our bodies from carrying our wounds, or our spirits from going numb. 
By growing in wisdom, the church can learn to invite others into those same four walls that carry a different knowledge than those in leadership. Pastors aren't trained mental health professionals, although, of course, there are exceptions. Frankly, oh, are, there are a lot of pastors out there picking up the Bible and preaching on very few qualifications to do so, let alone with the knowledge to guide someone through grief. Secondly, we have to allow our relationship to our beliefs to change. The beliefs we carry shape our faith. If our faith seems to be faltering in the face of loss, we can choose to become curious about what beliefs we are holding that undermine the truth of our lived experience. This can be another source of grief, and it's time for the church to embrace the unknowing. As I mentioned, the problem with having an answer for every question is that no one has an answer for every question. But if we feel obligated to give an answer, we miss out on the chance to learn something new. Pride is destructive. It prevents us from living with open hands, holding lightly to all things with the trust in ourselves and others that we will be okay. We lose our humility when we expect our faith or our masks to contain all that we need. And we lead lives with a shallow faith that cannot be challenged or deepened. I found myself very willing to risk it all in the face of grief. I didn't want to hold on to fragile beliefs I could justify. I wanted foundational truths I couldn't fully explain yet experience in every part of my being, mind, heart, body, and soul. This is the practice of faith that invites healing, no matter what you believe about theism or God. A faith that admits the whole self is worth compassion changes the way we practice our faith out loud. And third, I believe it is time for the church to become the safe haven it has always claimed to be. This is about more than hashtag church too. This is about the global church causing as much harm as it claims to heal, all in the name of meeting some mission. But somewhere along the way, the mission was corrupted. Power, influence, control. There is a long list we see the church laying as foundational that dismisses the simplicity of faith. Whether or not we understand grief, we are a people commissioned to love others as we love ourselves. That's impossible to do in a helpful, kind way if we do not love ourselves well. And going back to the beginning, when we have internalized a narrative that we are faithless, sinful, broken, or incapable of finding healing, then we are going to approach service in our community with that same lens. Everyone we look at will seem a little uncouth, lacking something we have accepted as necessary for a, quote, good faith. And this is the opposite of safe. To be witnessed and judged? How would anyone want to be around that? situation when they're grieving? How can anyone move toward wholeness and depth in that environment, let alone be a griever looking for a safe place to fall apart? Do you remember when the church was told in scriptures to look after the widows and orphans? It's not only because they have needs to meet, it's because they're grievers and that will never change. Grief stays with us for a lifetime. The active work of grieving can be seasonal, but unless the church is willing to unlearn its previous way of serving grievers, it cannot expect to be a refuge or resource in those active seasons. It can only expect to be pushed aside in pursuit of something meaningful. Grievers aren't only looking for what feels good again, they're looking for what makes them feel whole again.
Thank you for listening to episode 31 of Restorative Grief. My work as a grief educator is quite involved with the church, both as a faith practitioner in my own life, but also as a staunch believer that we can and must do better. It would be easy to listen to my words here and assume that I've experienced great trauma in my faith story, but it's not true. There have been difficult and painful times, but I still have great confidence that the church as an entity can shift toward justice and compassion on behalf of the widows, the orphaned, and the marginalized. Our loss need not be so obvious as losing a spouse, a parent, or even a limb. Our losses are measured by what matters to us, even if it's unclear to others. And so as we wrap this episode, I want you to take a moment and consider what you would influence in your own faith community if you could bring a little more attention to the lack of grief literacy. Because this is for all of us. It's not only my job. My job is to bring that literacy to the people like you so we can all live in a world where our wholeness manifests in truth and in spirit. We are whole beings created intentionally with no bad parts. The sooner we can learn what that means, the sooner we will be of service to someone else who needs to learn it for themselves. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you for being here. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. You can find more of my grief work on Twitter and Instagram at at Mandy Capehart, or you can look at the show notes for links to join the Restorative Grief Project as well. And one last thing, please remember the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.